please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DV Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DV Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. Welcome to the Service Dog Show. I'm your host, Joaquin Watai, also known as PTS Dog. And I'm your host, Scav. I want to let the audience know, you know, Scav and I, we've worked together. We share information back and forth. I run Scout as my service dog. He's a hearing dog, PTSD dog. We're here to bring you news, interviews, and information about service dogs and about matters that are of interest to the service dog community. Thank you for joining us on the Service Dog Show on DV Radio, WDVR. And welcome to the Service Dog Show. I am your host, Joaquin Watai, also known as PTS Dog. And I'm your host, Scav. And uh, it's uh, great to be sitting here. We've, uh, due to uh, circumstances well beyond our control, uh, namely uh, DV Radio's uh, primary editing computer crashed. And so things got bumped for about a month and we had couple episodes in the can we've had six weeks off and uh that was kind of reinvigorating and recharging and i'm really glad to be back although you have you've heard two episodes we've been sitting on our thumbs for a couple weeks uh (laughs) but i'm really glad to uh uh, bring uh caleb homer of service dog interactions inc in to join us today um Caleb is a Navy vet, as am I, and uh, Caleb. Oh, has, great! Uh, um, yeah, you're over. You're outnumbered, dude. Sorry. Right. I'm just gonna <laughs> keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but uh, Caleb uh, has a real similar mission to to me and to you, Scav. Uh, yeah. I was taking a look at the page at work today, and I was pretty impressed. Yeah. Uh, so basically, um, Caleb, what you're doing is uh, educating and uh, and empowering both veterans and businesses in regards to service dogs. Tell us a little bit about us, about uh, uh, service dog interactions. Yeah, guys, thanks for uh, having me on today. I really appreciate the uh, time. Uh, so yeah, I'm a Navy veteran and 100% total disabled. And I have my service dog, Chloe. And with me, I have PTSD and a TBI, which you know commonly is a invisible injury. And so I had a lot of problems and encounters where, well, you don't look disabled. Well, what do you need a service dog for? Well, that's not a real service dog. And after a little while, I figured if I was having these problems, then other veterans, you know, that were having similar issues were probably also having these issues. So I I started my own nonprofit and recognized a lot of organizations out there do their job very well with training service dogs and pairing the service dogs up with the, the handler and creating that bond. And so I wanted to do it just a little bit differently. And so what we primarily focus on with Service Dog Interactions Incorporated is we support disabled veterans and individuals with service dogs by providing essential care items at no cost to them. And that means that we take care of our disabled veterans. That also means we take care of their family members as well. So if you have a veteran and an individual who has a uh, dependent or a child with autism and they have a service dog, we provide essential care items for them as well. And you don't even have to be military. You can be a regular civilian and uh, utilize our services as well uh, through our 501c3 nonprofit. And what we do is we provide essential care items. If it's you need help with dog food for a month or paying a vet bill or anything like that uh, to help offset the cost of uh, ongoing cost of the service dog. And then the other mission that we focus on is really trying to get out to the public businesses, restaurants, hotels, uh, movie theaters, whatever, and we really want to work with the managers and owners <coughs> and staff on what the Americans with Disability Act, the ADA, actually says pertaining to service dogs. So we create a training program for businesses and we reach out to those individuals who have uh, service dogs and help them with essential care items. And that's what we do. That is uh, that's really cool. Um like uh, we were talking about before the uh, uh, during pre-show, uh, you and I recognize some issues out there in the community, and uh, 
we're, we kind of have parallel missions. We're attacking it from different directions. Um, one of the reasons why I wrote the book, PTS Dog, is because I had interactions with people who didn't understand invisible disability and didn't understand the law. And a uh, uh, perfect example, walking into a grocery store in uh, Colorado, uh, uh, Parker, Colorado, to get a gallon of milk with my service dog. And this woman says, hey, you can't bring that dog in here. And I said, I, he's my service dog. I can. He's not wearing a vest. And um, this was one of the first aggressive interactions I'd had. I've been using, working Skeeter for, for a couple of years. Um, but this woman was very aggressive about it. And I, I looked at her and I said, uh, it's called the Americans with Disabilities Act. He's not required to wear a vest. Maybe you should do some reading. And I turned around and walked off. And what I had done was missed a great opportunity to educate and explain to her that whatever she thought she knew was wrong and that she was going to end up getting her store sued if she didn't do a little bit of learning and a little bit of research. And uh, I thought about that for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. It really just kind of, I mean, I still, to this day, I see bottle blonde soccer mom hairdo, you know, total Karen. And uh, I, I still, it just, I can replay that that interaction in my mind. And I was pissed. I I essentially stormed out of that grocery store. Um, but that was one of the real things that, that really got me about why I needed to write a book because as much readily available information is out there, not many people are paying attention to it. And uh, I felt like you know, reformatting it would be a way to reach more people with it. Until there's a problem, they don't realize that there's actually laws out there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you know, ignorance of the law. Well, if I don't know your state's gun laws or I don't know your state's driving laws, you know, it's up to me to figure right. that out. It, it should be up to the business to, to keep on on par with all these ADA changes and disabilities. I mean, it's going to affect that store one way or the other. Yeah. You know, I got accused of not being blind <laughs> because <laughs> I have a dog. Yeah. And yeah. You're not blind. Why do you need a service dog? Exactly. So <laughs> I just don't get these people, man. If you're going to run a business, don't you think you want to do everything in your power to protect it? I would think, you know. You yeah, have I've had a, a couple of situations where the cops, the business owner will threaten to call the police on me if I don't leave with my ADA approved service dog with my documented disability. And that's my opportunity to go, please do. First of all, it's a civil matter, not a criminal matter. So the police really can't do anything. Now they can get you for trespassing or something like that. But other than that, it's a civil act. Uh, mm -hmm. under the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. So it's not a criminal violation to bring a service dog into a public facility. So, yeah, I've, I've had police called on me and ended up with discussing it. And, again, that, like you said a second ago, it's that moment of education. Well, I took that opportunity and educated a business owner, and he ended up calling his lawyer and having a discussion with him. And I just got joy and pleasure knowing that that simple phone call probably cost him about six hundred dollars mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and the other thing that's a real issue is for me and probably for jj is we're diagnosed with something and we trigger pretty quick you know i i shoot to anger is my way out more than anything so if you're going to confront me at a store i miss that education opportunity because i just want to go full born just like hey mother you know what i mean it's yeah. Hey, you, hey you're, you're attacking me, so I'm going to attack you. Scav, remember, yeah. it's Stevie Radio. You can say motherfucker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's been six weeks, bro. Uh, yeah, rusty as <laughs> shit. Fuck. <laughs> no, you know, that's just it. Is, um, I, you know, PTSD, it's fight or flight. Yes. And, and most of the time, Scav, you know this, most of the time I'm a flight. I'll just turn tail and, and just fuck this. I'm out. Mm -hmm. But when I do, when they, when the fight button gets hit, that's, that's never a good thing. It is never a good thing. And Skeeter works his ass off to prevent it. Um, right. With all the head injuries I've had, plus, you know, the, the combat shit, it's just hard to even for me to be in public, let alone to be aggressively treated. Like some of these people come up to you. Yeah. Hey, you're going to shopping and all of a sudden somebody comes up to you. Hey, how dare you bring your wheelchair in here? <laughs> well, yeah. you wouldn't see that. So. 
Right. Oh, my yeah. favorite is, is, can I pet your dog? No, it's a service dog. It's, and I'll be polite about it, and I'll take a moment of opportunity and educate them if they don't know. And, you know, hey, can I pet your wheelchair? Yep. Well, huh? The one really Weird. fucks with people is if they say, can I pet your dog, and you tell them after you pet me. Oh, <laughs> they don't one. know what to do. <laughs> I uh, So I was at uh, the grocery store last week. Friday, Friday was it Friday morning? Yeah, Friday morning I was, I was grocery shopping and Skeeter's doing his thing, you know. He's right where he's supposed to be, chilling. I'm reading a label or, you know, and this woman walks straight up to Skeeter, bends over and starts talking to him. I'm just, I'm sitting there going, you gotta be kidding me. She, she's in her 60s, she's old enough to know better. I said, excuse me, he's a service dog and he's working. Uh, please don't distract him like that. Oh, but he's so beautiful. And that's when, you know what, that that mm-hmm. time, the, the anger switch flipped. Thankfully, I was able to hold back because he immediately backed up into me and started pushing me. I said, that doesn't matter. He's not here to entertain you. And walked off. Um, she, she looked like she was going to try to say something. But I guess that, I guess I had that little crazy gleam in my eye or something because she shut up and kept moving, which was probably good for both of us because I was ready to fight. <laughs> It's, it's never good. Yeah. Well, I you know, I've said from the very beginning, one the one place that the Department of Justice absolutely failed the American public with in regards to the Americans with Disabilities Act is they did not launch a public service campaign explaining any of it. Not not uh, cutaways in curbs so that wheelchairs could get up, not ramps, not railings. And definitely not service dogs. Now, what kills me is not is less than 10 years before that, within a span of 10 years from 1980 to 1990 when the ADA was passed, they had two extremely successful public service campaigns, Click It or Ticket and mm-hmm. the National Speed Limit of 55. Everybody knew 55 miles per hour and everybody knew you had to wear your seatbelt. But nobody knows about service dogs. I still nope. don't understand why that why that little it, small piece of education never occurred. It yeah, and then saved one a of the things of that, that we want to focus on with our organization and our education and training is it's not right or wrong, it's education and training. Yeah. Now I could easily take a you know moment of opportunity, and I know this is BV uh, Radio, and I've always been told I have a face for radio, but I'm five foot ten, two hundred fifty pounds, bearded and tattooed. I'm a big guy, mm-hmm. but I'm a big teddy bear too. And I, I could easily turn the situation into raising my voice. And I worked on the MCRD San Diego uh, drill field with the Marines as a FMF Navy corpsman. Hurrah. And I can get loud, but it's not about right or wrong. And it doesn't make us handlers look any better when we, you know, belittle and chew out a ignorant. Well, you don't look disabled. Well, you don't look ignorant, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's really not, you know, right or wrong. It's education and training. If you take a little bit of extra time to try, now the keyword being here, try to impart some wisdom and knowledge about what we live every day. And hey, you know, I, I appreciate your effort. Uh, you know, this is my service dog. This she's working right now, and she has an important job. Please don't distract her. Okay, no problem. But yeah, every once in a while you get those. Uh, well, why do you even bring a dog with you if, uh, you know, what, I wish I could bring my dog with me, too. Well, it's mm-hmm. not exactly that situation. Yeah, yeah, we've had that conversation so many times where I wish I didn't have to take Scout outside of the house. Absolutely. It, it is no fun running a service dog. I love yeah. Skeeter to death. He's my, he is my best friend. But, boy, I'd love, I'd love it even more if he could just stay home and be a bum, you know? Right. You know, and I'm sure the guys that are in wheelchairs wish that they weren't in wheelchairs you know it's it's a disability it's not something we're out there taking our pets to walmart just because we feel like it so what uh uh you're in florida caleb uh, how uh t- tell us i mean tell us a little bit about some businesses some interactions you've had with where you've had the chance to go in not in a situation where you know they're hassling you but you've had the chance to go in and educate and teach a business how how to to uh, handle service dogs uh, in their on their premises? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a few restaurants here um, that I bring my service dog into, and 
that that's a you know we'll always get that interaction or i carry some business cards on me and some restaurants are the big ones hotels because hotels um want to charge pet fees and we explain to them you know well there's a difference between a pet fee and a you know service animal and we kind of take try to take the opportunity but like you know scab said er earlier is our biggest issue i guess is that our organization exists to train and educate managers, executives, staff, even volunteers, you know, everybody from CEO, director down. The issue is, is they don't know that we exist or they know that we exist, but now, you know, we've never had a problem yet. And that's the big thing. Well, well, we, we're dog friendly, so we've never had a problem with any of the dogs or no, no, we, we don't allow pets, but that's never been an issue for us. Well, mm -hmm. if you guys have followed the news recently in Texas, there's a three-year-old girl that got mauled by a pit bull, um, and it's not a pit bull's fault. It's the handler's fault. Mm -hmm. um, there's no breed uh, – what, what am I trying to help there's me out? No, yeah, no breed there's discrimination. discrimination. There you go. Yeah. Breed discrimination. Yeah. Words are hard today. I need more coffee. <laughs> and uh, – you know, so there's this three-year-old girl in the restaurant, and the dog came around. The girl was uh, eye level and face level for the dog, and the dog just bit her cheek. Ended up getting uh, surgery and stitches and all that, and the girl's going to be okay. But the police had to track down the handler, and uh, unfortunately, the situation was where the dog had to get euthanized. Mm -hmm. And it's just a bad situation for everybody involved and a little bit of training and education on the you know, restaurant managers or the staff's side may have, might have uh, prevented all that situation by having a service dog policy in place at a restaurant or a business or a hotel or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So um, we're, we've tried to reach out to uh, some mom and pop shops and some chain restaurants and other local businesses. And right now it's especially COVID COVID's a big uh, hit for a lot of businesses. And uh, so that's kind of put everything on a back burner. But as we start getting up during the summer and last winter with the snowbirds come down from North, come down for uh, our nice little key lime pies and all that, that we got year round here in Florida, we've tried to encourage businesses to see what we can offer for them for training and we get the response of well it's not really a problem mm -hmm. well until mm -hmm. it is and then give me a call when it is yeah now how, how do you say a business gets a hold of you uh, do you travel to them do you do zoom conferences uh, what's the process in, in education? Yeah, uh, we really work one-on-one -on -one with each individual business to see what their needs are. Uh, when I started this, I actually looked at doing it as a business. So the lean feasibility plan for this is set up as a for-profit business. But I really wanted to focus on as a nonprofit organization because I wanted to really help out the small mom-and-pop shops and I know that they may only have two or three employees or, you know, a limited budget. And so what we do is we customize a training program for that individual and specific business. Mm -hmm. And if we're if they're local, we come to them. Um, if they're a bigger corporation and they can fly us out and pay for travel, we'll come to them. Uh, we can do anything from a one-on-one -on -one training to up to 200 people as a keynote speaker. And it all depends on what the business's needs are. And we have a questionnaire on our website about you know what things that you would want to know or some key subjects. And then we get on the phone with you or, or email back and forth and really get to know your business, your employees, your clients, your customers, your guests. And we really design a customized training solution packet for your business. And we'll even help write a service dog policy and all of that for you. So we can either come to you or we can do uh, Zoom and we can mail you the information we took. I took, yeah, this is where my nerd side comes and shows. So I've actually sat down and read the entire Robert's Rules of Order because I'm a nerd. I and have a copy I've on my read phone. <laughs> all, all 238 pages of Part 36, Title 3 of the Americans Disability Act. And that's a lot of legalese. 
Now, if you're a business owner, you've got employees and payroll and scheduling and inventory and, you know, you got to have your city permits and your business license and all that stuff up to date. So this is where we come in. We've already done the research for you. Service Dog Interactions has already done the research for you. And I took all 238 pages of Title Three, Part 36 of the Americans Disability Act for public access and condensed it down to about a 20 page workbook. And so what we do is we offer a uh, facilitated about three hours on average, uh, again, custom to your business. We offer a three hour course, a facilitated course that really invokes discussion and, you know, questions and answers. And we even do a little role play scenario where we, you know, come in and at the end of the course, after going over all the information and set up that, you know, customer that, well, you can't tell me to leave. That's my service dog who's barking and, you know, growling at customers sitting on the table at, you know, up at the bar and eating off the plates and all that. Well, hold on. Now, there are rules and regulations and health codes, and that's where a lot of stuff gets confusing, but we've already done the work for you. So contact us. You can go to our website, www.servicedoginteractions.org. Check out training and education, and we can uh, hook up your business. Fantastic. Yeah, you know, I think... Go ahead, JJ. I think that's that's really important. Um, one of the things that I try to do with PTS Dog is empower businesses to enforce their rights under the ADA. And and you know the the dog, the little yap dog sitting in the at the booth and eating off the table, is the perfect example. I had uh, I had an interaction with a um, campground in Colorado uh, while I was traveling. Uh, in fact, it was when I went to Colorado and met Mark Zen, the editor of my first book. Uh, and I, I stayed at a, a campground that had cabins. And the uh, campground uh, manager, who uh, owner actually, said, well, you have to have a registration paperwork for your dog. And I said, I, you know, uh, I appreciate that you're trying to protect yourself, but there's no such thing. I said, there is no such thing under the ADA, and if you deny me access because I refuse to show you a, a piece of paper that doesn't exist, I will make a report to the State Equal Opportunities Board. And they, you know what? Thank God this guy was conscientious and wanted to protect his business. He called me back about 20 minutes later and said, I just got off the phone with my lawyer, and you're right. There is no registration paperwork for service dogs. And I said, great, so I can, I can rent the cabin? Yeah, yeah, come on down. And so when I was, you know, filling out the paperwork and signing in and everything, I explained to him, look, when you when somebody pulls out a piece of paper and says, this is my registration, it's my service dog, nine times out of ten, they're lying. It's a pet and they just want to take it everywhere. And I said, you need to you need to know that that, per, that registration paperwork under the law has no meaning. Now, there are a few states that have voluntary registrations, but they still... In the state, businesses can't require you to whip that out and show it for access. So mm -hmm. it's still kind of pointless. It doesn't mean a lot. But, um, it, it, you know, that's the thing, though. If, even if, the again, going back to the 1990 when the ADA was passed, even if the DOJ had only sent out the public service announcements to business owners, there would have been a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of, a lot of problems would have been avoided. Um, right. Yeah. Well, when I first sat down with the HR department about bringing Scout on board, it, they had no idea about service dog loss. So, mm -hmm. you know, I did all the legwork and we worked directly, but somebody like Service Dog International here, they're, they're taking all the work yeah. out of it for the business. Well, and, you know, that's the thing is, why is it incumbent on the disabled person to teach the businesses our rights? Right. No. That seems pretty much ass backwards to me. Luckily, they had me and not somebody that doesn't really know and was just going to take their dog into work. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we kind of educated each other on this. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah this, is, this is a fantastic program right here. Yeah. 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 We, we don't work with um, businesses and all that we're actually uh we did we have a community outreach program right so on our website you can go to our training and education down at the bottom we have community 
outreach programs. So we teach Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, churches, different types of groups and all that. And we do that to other nonprofits at no charge. Now, the reason why we do that is because there's always that parent at the scout meeting. And that's where it comes in. Hey, um, I'm trying to get my daughter enrolled and my daughter has autism and their doctor uh, recommends them having a service dog. So we talked to their school that they're supposed to be going into. And this went all the way up to the vice principal and everything. And quote, I don't know what the regulations are, mm-hmm. but I don't think that they can have a dog on campus because, well, you got dog fur allergies and some kids are afraid of dogs. And, mm-hmm. well, where's the dog go to the bathroom and all that? And honestly, the, the school board didn't know. The, the principal of the campus didn't know. The parents are new to this idea of having a, a dog for their uh, son or daughter for autism. And they called me up and said, hey, would you mind coming in and talking to our school board? And so we don't we we really don't focus on only businesses. We service dog interactions really, truly wants to one train and educate handlers to know their own rights under the American with Disability Act and Mm -hmm. also local laws, too. And two, we want to help protect the business owner. So if you, there's, there's a case study that we have, right? So this lady walks in to a fast food restaurant and has two service dogs and the manager's there. So no, 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 we, I, I, I read on the internet about service dogs. So I'm a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know that you can have one service dog, but you, you cannot ever have two service dogs. You need to leave. Oh, we were just here to grab a burger. Nope, I'm calling the cops. Cops were called, arrested and all that, and charges went to court. $87,000 in fines, fees, penalties, and all that was paid out. Now, this is a big worldwide by franchise. By the business. By the business it was paid out by. By, by the business, correct. The business paid out. So. Sorry. Yep. $87,000. The business paid out in settlement to the uh, individual who had the service dogs. $87,000 to an international franchise. Yeah, that's a check that they write a little hurt, but they're still in business. If you're a small, single mom and pop shop, $87,000, you're closing your doors, period. So the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years that you've worked your heart and soul out to get your small business up and running, you have one person make that one mistake one time and you're susceptible to hefty, hefty civil penalties. And that's where we really want to come in and talk to business owners, talk to school programs and schools and, you know, churches and all this other organizations. Now, churches is a religious accommodation. That, that's actually a, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ADA talks about that, too. And we, we talk about that in our our training, but we really want to help protect the business owners as well as the handlers and the schools and the school board and the students and the teachers and everybody. We, our kind of motto is be more than a sign, be trained and educated. And a lot of businesses and a lot of places have no pets allowed service dogs only. And they got a nice big sign out front, but beyond having that sign posted, you find out that not too many people actually know what the service dog laws are. That's what we uh, we try to do. Right, and that's more common than not. Um, the two inter- big interactions I've had, um, I told the, the, the business, I don't want any money from you. I just want you to educate your employees because it wasn't the owner, the vice president, or any executives that I had an issue with. It was that bottom-dwelling employee who didn't know the law, and but they don't realize that he is a reflection of their business. And yeah. and that's where the issue comes. Yeah. Yep. That's absolutely right. And it's, uh, <clears throat> that, you know, the challenge is, uh, at least for me personally, uh, I I'm, I'm right with you, Scav. I never wanted, I never told, I never was like, I'm going to own your business. That's right. never been my intent. I don't want to sue you into oblivion. I don't want you to lose your business. It's always been a matter of, 
making sure it doesn't happen to the next guy. Right. Uh, but you know what? That's just my personal choice. Nobody's under an obligation not to say, fuck this, I'm suing the shit out of you. If you right. wanted, if that's what you do, hey, that's that's your decision. But um it's but it's more it's it's more equitable if what your intent is is that it never happens to another handler and that the business continue to go on. There's no reason to to try and ruin somebody's life. And that's one of the you know, I've seen this in the in the community, in the service dog community, quote unquote online and social media. I've seen uh people who want to aggressively address this and threaten the lawsuits. And this has created the atmosphere. What they don't understand is these, uh, well, we're going to sue you. That has what has created the atmosphere where businesses, because they're so afraid of being sued, allow Fifi the Wonder Poodle, the untrained pets in and creates issues for those of us who have task trained service dogs, because they're so afraid to get sued that they're, that they, they won't, enforce their rights and say, excuse me, uh, you know, the ADA says very clearly that you're the customer, not your dog. Please get it off the bench and it needs to sit on the floor and don't feed it from the table. And if it's disruptive, you need to remove it. You know, businesses are afraid of that. And right. um, it, it, it kills me because the community itself has created the situation where one of our biggest complaints is his untrained dogs being presented as service dogs, uh, service dog fraud, with, and often disability fraud. That's one of our biggest complaints, but we created the issue because back in the bad days and, and you know, when it, when it was beginning, people filed lawsuits and they got big wins, $87,000 for even from a, uh, a uh, um, what is it called? A franchise. That will shut that franchise down. That franchise yeah. owner might have two or three stores. $87,000 is a big chunk of their budget. That's yeah, you know, Nobody wins when that happens. When uh, Last time I was at the hospital, and that, that they're pretty much greeters. And she knew kind of a generalization of the service dog laws, but she didn't know them verbatim. So she asked me if it was a service dog and then she's looking for her paperwork. I said, can I help you with something? So we had a, a nice second where I can, you know, teach this person who isn't very far into the, in the employee status, um, what she needed to say and what, you know, was within her legal rights because she knew that he was a, a service dog, but she didn't know the two questions that she was allowed to ask. Yep. And I made her feel a bit more comfortable. You know, I didn't jump down her throat. It's, uh, they do have a service dog policy there, but she's fairly new. And I've, I've run into that before. I've uh, gone to outdoor festivals and everything, and that was one of the things. And it was uh, no pets, service dogs only. And, you know, the security guard did exactly what the security guard was supposed to do. You know, sir, is that a service dog? Yes, it is. And you can kind of see that he's struggling to find the wording. And he, and he said, well, what is your disability? And I said, well, that's not exactly an a, you know, appropriate question. Right. You know, the other question is, is what task has your service dog trained to, been trained to perform? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're almost they're almost scared that you're going to uh, attack them with legal battle. You know what I mean? So they're they're trying to do the right thing, but they just don't know the yeah. verbiage. So that, that's the other thing our, our organization uh, does is when you contract for training with service dog interactions as a business or school or anything like that or corporation, we actually have um, ready-made quick reference uh, cards. And so they're business cards folded up, uh, little, you know, TP-type business cards, and it, you know, says access to areas of public accommodation as the ADA definition. And it says businesses may ask what they may not ask and what is a service animal. And then also, like we were saying earlier, protecting the business, a public accommodation may ask an individual with a disability to remove a service animal from the premises if the animal is out of control and the animal's handler does not take effective action to control it or it's not housebroken. And, you know, you're talking about the two questions, and I just want to touch on that real quick, is a lot of uh, organizations know that businesses may ask 
if the animal is required because of a disability, and what work or task the animal has trained to perform. But actually, I even learned about a third question uh, that's case law, and that's, is the animal housebroken? And so those are technically the two and even third question uh, that businesses are legally allowed to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> that third question, that's a good, I mean, uh, understanding that in case law it's acceptable, nobody's going to know that, but that's a really good question. And it's something that you should never have to ask uh, as a business. You, you, the assumption being that the handler, if it is a legitimate service stock handler who can answer the first two questions, understands mm-hmm. what their responsibilities are under the law. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, the law protects our rights, but it also defines our responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And if we yep. are not fulfilling those responsibilities in regards to the training of our dog, the business has the right to ask us to remove the animal because we are not fulfilling our responsibilities defined by the ADA. Folks, if you're out there with a leash in your hand, you need to realize it is not a get-out-of-jail-free-take-your-dog-anywhere pass. You have responsibilities that go along with those those protections, and you 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 are essentially renouncing the protection of the ADA if you do not ensure that you fulfill your responsibilities. That's the way the law is written, and and when you look into some of the case law, another great one is protection training in a service dog, meaning bite training. Uh-huh. Right. The the, the uh, Department of Justice is very clear that the general public, and this is, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's very close. The general public has a right to assume that a dog brought into public or presented as a service dog in public is safe. And legally, once a dog is trained to bite for protection purposes, it no longer is safe. It is considered a weapon. Okay. This is legal. This is this is not my definition. I've been attacked and told anybody who would deny a disabled person the right to protect themselves is a monster. And I'm like, I'm not denying anything. I'm just repeating what the Department of Justice has said. This is what the law is. This is your responsibility to know. As soon as you train that dog to bite for protection, the ADA, the Department of Justice has said, at that point, the dog is no longer protected for you to bring into public in a public access situation because it has been trained to bite. That's the law. But you know what else the law says? The law, the ADA has this really great phrase about barking and, and uh, even growling. It says, it says that a, a service dog should be, you know, unassuming, should be quiet, should not be barking repeatedly. But then it says, and this is a magic phrase, unless provoked. Right unless provoked mm-hmm. and that's important because what that does that does a couple of things first of all it acknowledges that a dog is a living animal and we all have our limits and so do dogs and it, and so it, it it is what it's what it does is admit legally that dogs are living beings and that that can happen they can be provoked so for example if somebody kicked skater i fully expect skater to at least bark at them he might bite them if he doesn't bite them, I sure as fuck will. <laughs> you know, right. if somebody kicked Skeeter, you get a guarantee I'm going to be beating their ass. That is, as far as I'm concerned, they have assaulted me if they assault my dog. They That's have a better my chance cons- assaulting me than my dog. Ex- yeah, you know, if yeah, you, I you, won't you, let you, them get you near you him. Hurt me. <laughs> you start picking on me, man. That's yeah. thing. You start picking on my dog. It's on. It's so, like, pick on my kid. It's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know? So again, the, the nerd in me comes out and says, ADA Title III regulations, guidance and section-by-section analysis, subpart C, section 36.302, modifications and policies. Here's a question. What happens when a service animal are provoked or to disruptive or aggressive behavior by agitators or troublemakers, as in the case of a blind individual whose service dog is taunted or pinched? While service animals are trained to ignore and overcome these types of incidences, misbehaviors in response to provocation is not always unreasonable. And this is per ADA. In circumstances where a service animal misbehaves or responds reasonably to a provocation or injury. So if somebody comes up and kicks my dog, the public accommodation, so the business, 
must give the handler a reasonable opportunity to gain control of the animal. Further, if the individual with a disability asserts that the animal was provoked or injured, or if the public accommodation otherwise has a reason to suspect that provocation or injury has occurred, the public accommodation should seek to determine the facts. Facts. Mm -hmm. And if provocation and injury did occur, the public accommodation, the business, should take effective steps to prevent further provocation or injury, which may include asking the provocator to leave the place of public, hey, you're the one that came up and you're the one that was messing with the dog. The only reason that this dog barked at you and is because you came up and you kicked it. The yep. dog is fine. The handler is fine. You may now leave. I said yep. good day, sir. Exactly. <laughs> and that, But you know what? That's just the thing that kills me is you get, there are, are handler, there are organizations out there who are training that the dog should never respond, period. Dog could, you could kick it, you could hit it, you can bark at it, yell it, squirt it with a squirt gun. The dog should never respond. And I call no, bullshit. I not, call yeah, bullshit. Robots. It's bullshit. Yeah. No. Yeah, they are Dogs not are robots. Being. Yeah, you can't expect robotic behavior. It is a living animal. And, you know, we, again, during the pre-show, we were talking about the team. We were talking about the bond that the handler and their dog share and how that works in regards to a PTSD service dog, most specifically, everything we do is based on the interaction of the bond. Now, when I feel threatened, Skeeter responds to my feeling of threat, not to what's threatening me, Mm -hmm. right? Skeeter's picking up on me and alerting me and putting himself between whatever is threatening and me. So if that threat then begins to apply itself to him, the last thing I want is for him not to stand up for himself. And and like you just read right from the law, the law allows for a reasonable response. Now, does that mean that if somebody kicks Skeeter, Skeeter can kill them? No. But he could certainly bark and snap at him and tell him to get the fuck back, which would give me long enough. Yeah, exactly. That would give that would give me long enough to get around him. Yeah, that would give me long enough to get around him and start whooping their ass. Thank God, nothing like that has ever happened. Nothing. The worst that's ever happened is I've had people go, "Oh my God!" and jump back like he and he's just like walking along, doing just it's Skeeter, look at me, and and they freak out and run. And I'm like, "Wow, overreact over nothing much, <laughs> you fucking idiot!" But you know, that's the worst. Thank God, that's the worst that has ever happened. I've never had somebody respond to Skeeter violently, at least directing violence towards us. Now, part of the reason why that's never happened may be because he's a hundred pound Alaskan Malamute that stupid people think is a wolf. But I and just you know, see him and want to go pet him and go, oh, the puppy. Yeah, uh, I get oh, I God, I get so much of that. It's just so. <laughs> And then there's the, of course, and I'm sure you've heard these, Caleb, the dead dog stories. You know, when I was a little girl, I had a dog that looked just like that. And he was eight years old and he died. And and I'm like, great. Thanks, Grandma, for telling me about your dead fucking dog while I'm trying to, you know, buy underwear in the clothing section at Walmart. Come on. But, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so. We've talked a lot about education, and, and we've even gotten into some fun stuff regarding the law. But, Caleb, talk to us a little bit about the other part of what you do, which is the assistance with the, with the necessities. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, that, and that's kind of the bread and butter of our organization is we provide essential care items to disabled veterans, to individuals, to their family members who have service dog. So if you need a service dog or you need training for your service dog, you can reach out to us. We will point you in the direction of a great uh, training facility or program. We do not train the service dog. So if you have a service dog that is trained, then if you need anything from dog food to a vet bill, um, even to a toy. So what is essential equipment or essential items. Well, for me, I don't like doing my job. I mean, no, I do. I, I love my job, but most people don't like working 24 seven. And that's the other thing is, oh, that poor dog. He has to work all the time. Do you know how spoiled my service dog is? Holy cow. Oh my God. Yeah, that one gets me all the time. You make that dog wear that vest all the time. If you knew what, <laughs> I treat him better than I treat my wife and kids. Right. You know what I mean? I've actually had jealous interactions. 
It's like holy with, shit, with significant others <laughs> yep. over over what a cushy life. I'm about to I'm about to send you both a, a picture in Messenger of of Skeeter working so hard, and it's it's hilarious. He's hilarious. This dog is such a goof. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've actually had uh, my ex wife say, "You love that dog more than you love me." Turns out she was right. But yeah, she was hundred uh, yeah, percent yeah. right. <laughs> But not for the reason she thought. So you know. But you, you know the the great thing about this organization here is the the disabled population makes so much money that we can afford to do small things like take our dog to the vet. And when I saw that, I was like, "Great on you guys!" Um, luckily, my wife works full time and she makes like four times as much money as I do. And Scout got sick and I took him into the emergency room. And it was like a five hundred dollar oh, bill just to show up, dude. I had yep. a four hundred four hundred dollar bill with Munchie two weeks ago uh, because she was puking water, and I thought she had an obstruction. Oh my god! But you know, say a single vet that's just getting disability—that was his—he can't function otherwise, and something like that unexpected happened to his service dog. Oh my god, the trauma! Yeah, that 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 could be life and death with that veteran. So, so I'll, I'll share some kind of a some case some cases with that we've recently handled. Uh, one is, and, and this is just how we reach out: is a homeless female veteran who had essentially uh, given up everything to escape a domestic violence situation at home. It was her, her you know, clothes on her back and her dog. And she lived out of her car for a while and got the car repoed and was homeless. And it was her legitimate service dog. I think and I know who you're talking because, about. Yeah, and that is here in Florida, but I won't get into too many details. Right. She tried to get into the county homeless shelter in order for job placement, in order for meal assistance and all that. But because it was a county-run shelter and her dog's vaccines were not up to date, they could not allow her in with her service animal. And she needed to get a job in order to get income in order to pay for the shot. So she was just in this mm-hmm. vicious cycle, and all she was trying to do is escape a domestic violence situation at home. And right. so they got a hold of us through one of our organizations that we partner with, and they said, well, we train the dog, so, you know, call these guys, service dog interactions. Within a week, we were able to contact and call the local county humane society shelter and get a appointment for her. And she came in, she brought her dog. They gave us a a phone call, said, yep, here's the bill. We did a over the phone transaction and everything was verified. And she got her service dog all the vaccines and then the uh, animal shelter or the, the humane society even said, well, Hey, you know, here's your situation. We're going to go give you uh, six months worth of deworming and, and heartworm and flea and tick and all that. And then she got back in to the County services. And at least as far as I know, she's got a job placement and working on housing assistance and everything like that. So that's, awesome. that's you know, one of the, the stories I love sharing, you know, well, I've also met a, a Marine that has skipped meals mm-hmm. in order to make sure his service dog eats. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. No. Now, why not just have insurance cover it? Well, you know, if you're a disabled veteran, you got the VA, they do not cover and you can go to the VA website. I'm not, Trying to bash the VA. Oh no, but bash away. They say <laughs> bash away. No, yeah, they do. Seriously. They they do offer service dog assistance, but it's through the prosthetics department. Yeah, it's and only for ADI only for ADI programs. Yep, right. Only was... for ADI programs. And then the wait list is about year and a half, two years. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then even then you get vet bills, but you only get one routine uh, veterinary care assistance. So if your dog eats something and has that intestinal obstruction, you got to bring them in for an emergency $800 bill. You might be able to get the VA to help, but they're not going to do it. And if you're no. not a veteran and you got private insurance, yeah, they'll, if you have a disability and you have an oxygen tank or a wheelchair or anything like that, you file an insurance claim, you pay your deductible, they'll even mail you a new wheelchair or parts to your wheelchair. 
Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when my dog breaks? Right. You know, sorry, got, you're on your own. I got yeah. hearing aids through the VA and they're about seven grand a piece. Yep. And then lifetime batteries, filters, the little plastic domes that go on them. No questions asked, but damn me if I say, okay, can you help me out on, you know, scout shots? Uh, they won't even think about it. Yeah, yep. sorry. It is, you know what? It, it is uh, really hard. It, it, you know, this is one of the reasons why I tell people using a service dog is the hardest path. Aside mm-hmm. for, for PTSD and, and for other things too, I'm, sh- I'm sure that it's applicable in other situations with other disabilities, but for PTSD, one of the reasons that it's hard has nothing to do with your mental health, with, with training, with your, with your self-evaluation, anything that like that, that has to do with training the dog. It's just simply, guess what? They're fucking expensive. Veterinary yes. bills are not cheap and they're only getting higher. Look, I've gone from a hundred pound Malamute who, if they have to knock him out to do x-rays, it's going to cost me $700 to when she's done 170 pound Mastiff. And it's yep. going to cost more than a thousand dollars just for her spaying once she's old enough. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, you know, I'm paying for pet insurance so that that's covered, but what if something happened and I could no longer afford pet insurance? Yeah, I am disabled. I yeah, I'm on disability. If, you know, you're 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 smart enough and you're uh, prepared enough, I guess you'd say, to to have the pet insurance. But not every look. I now, it, Skeeter doesn't you, have pet insurance. I couldn't afford it when I first started with Skeeter. I can right. now, but I couldn't afford it then. So Skeeter doesn't have pet insurance. Thank God, he's the healthiest dog I've ever known. Ever. This dog it, it, literally has one issue, and it's from an injury, and we're treating it with CBD. That's yeah. unheard of. You know, yeah, we we use tractor supply for our, our shots because it's a little bit cheaper than our vet. Mm-hmm. But still, three dogs was over six hundred bucks, and that's not counting the heartworm, and that's not counting the flea and tick. You know, yep. Yep. scout sixty bucks for for the heartworm. I don't even want to know what I'm paying for flea and tick. Yeah. So yeah. you get somebody that's on disability who can't afford, and if their dog gets hurt, even a, a slice on a leg could you know, untreated could kill a dog. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You've well, got a huge it could kill you situation on you. Yeah. So yeah, so, when I was yeah, reading this, great. I was like, holy shit, I like this company and yeah. I haven't even got to talk to the guy yet. <laughs> Caleb, listen, here's uh so I've got two more questions and we need to wrap up. But the first one is look, COVID has hit nonprofits in a big way. Uh, how's how's fundraising? How uh, what do we how can we help you? Absolutely. So uh, we had, unfortunately, because you said like COVID, we have an event booth and we would go to a restaurant or, uh, you know, Harley Davidson is a huge supporter of uh, the veteran and the dog community as well. But everything got shut down. Uh, Luckily, we're here in Florida and most of the stuff stayed open. Uh, But we got hit hard with uh, fundraising last year. So we are able to do what we can do because of our donors. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do not have any government grants or anything like that. And those are great for a lot of organizations, but with grants come restrictions. Hey, if you want our grant money, you have to perform X, Y, Z. Right. Well, you can only provide these materials. Well, you know, an example is, is we had, because of COVID, all the dog parks were shut down. Well, uh, you got a Belgian Malinois that's about four years old who's, trained to be a service dog or, or is a service dog and just got through training and went back out to the dog park with their handler. And instead of waiting for the ball to come down, he decided it'd be a good idea to jump eight feet in the air and the land on his, on his paw and break his paw. So he's all laid up, vet bills taken care of. And he, this dog is sitting at home waiting for his paw to heal. And he has just lost all mm-hmm. motivation all mm-hmm. interest in his own toys, just nothing. And their handler called me up and said, hey, um, I know that you guys usually help with essential, you know, items, but, you know, this is the situation. I said, yeah, uh, toys are essential. So we brought him a puzzle game 
and new squeaky toys and uh we call them making it snow when they get a plush toy and just <laughs> and all the white stuff goes everywhere making it snow <laughs> we got but so many dead that, animals here <laughs> <laughs> that's you know and that to us is essential to maintain not only the physical health and well-being of a service dog but the mental well-being as well if they're stuck up or you know now a lot of people because of covid are working from home mm-hmm. and their dog would normally go to work with them and get in the car and put on their vest and go work. Well, now that you're working from home, you don't have that same mental stimulation uh, for their service dogs. So we provide anything that is essential, including physical well-being from emergency vet bills to, you know, dog food for a month to toys to we have a, a beneficiary who is uh, fully immobile and it's hard for him to take his dog for walks. So we got a dog walker, local dog company, that walks their dog. Yeah, they started, you know, billing us for a few weeks, and they said, you know what? No, we're we're just going to do this nice. uh, on nice. our own. And, and so nice. they're they're helping out. They go every week to our veterans' house and help them do walk their dog. So we are a hundred percent financed and supported through donations. Um, there's a few ways that you can donate. You can go to our Facebook page and find us on Facebook at Service Dog Interactions. You can uh, log on to our website, which again is www.servicedoginteractions.org. And there's a couple ways you can help. And if you scroll down, if you wanna make a direct donation, you can do that and that's always appreciated. Um, you know, maybe it's a little hard financially. So you can do things like shopping on Smile Amazon. Uh, we're set up as a charity through Smile Amazon. So when you buy a uh, product or shop online on amazon.com or smileamazon.com, uh, Amazon donates a part through that. We've also got a uh, mailing address on there. So if you want to write an old fashioned check and you like doing it that way, you can write us a check to Service Dog Interactions Incorporated. And so we are a fully vetted uh, 501c3 nonprofit. We are not trying to uh, sneak anything by anybody. We are uh, platinum transparency seal through GuideStar, which is a uh, public kind of eye on uh, nonprofit organizations. And if you have an account with GuideStar, you can see our, all of our financials and everything online. And we've gotten uh, some great sponsors, the American Legion, uh, network has uh, helped us out here. That's America's largest veteran organization. Our local post here in Florida recently donated a thousand dollars to our organization. And also a shout out to Lowe's Home Improvement. Uh, we went to a, a Girl Scout meeting, and that's part of our community outreach program. And we, uh, one of the parents, works for Lowe's and says, "Hey, you're a great charity with a great mission." And we want to help you out. How's, you know, $1,000 worth of materials and supplies. So now we have donated from Lowe's uh, everything we need to do for tables and chairs and pop-up tent to set up a event booth. So, you know, anything that you can do uh, always helps out. So you can hit us up on Facebook. You can go to our website, uh, write us a letter and a check, and we greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Which leads to my last question, which you basically answered, which is where can everybody find you? So you're on Facebook, uh, servicedogsinteractions.org, and where else? So yeah, we have uh, Facebook. I just shared your page on PTS Dog, oh, by thanks. the way. thanks. There you go. So yeah, so our website's going to be www.servicedoginteractions.org. And then you can also always send us an email if you have any specific questions. Info, I-N-F-O, at servicedoginteractions.org as well. Awesome. Caleb, thanks so much for joining us. Folks, you've been listening to the Service Dog Show right here on DV Radio, WDVR. Before we wrap up, I need to remind you that 
Although everything you hear on DV Radio is 100% free to you, it costs us. We spend money out of our own pockets to maintain DV Radio and keep providing you with quality programs. If you would like to help, you can do so in several ways. One is by buying merch at the DV Radio store. Go to dvradio.net, click store, and check out some of the great t-shirts. There are some PTS Dog t-shirts there, by the way. Uh, Profits are split between PTS Dog and the DV Radio. Uh, Another way you can help is by going to patreon.com slash dvradio and becoming a patron. Um, Please remember that everything we do is free to you. We don't get paid. We pay out of our own pockets to keep DV Radio going. So give us a hand. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, let us know. If you have a show you'd like to bring to DV Radio, all you have to do is email info at dvradio.net. Don't forget that there are other shows, Frag Out, Drag Out on Friday nights, uh, Service Dog Show on Sunday, of course, the DV Radio flagship show, Barracks Talk, on Saturday nights at 9 p.m. live. Uh, let's see what else. Reckless Protocol, I think, is returning to DV Radio soon. There's more. There's more. There's there's enough shows that I can't remember them all. Folks, check it out. This is free to you. It is by veterans, for veterans. Uh, we also support first responders. Uh, there's even been a show, a Ruck Up podcast, by a Canadian civilian uh, uh, security contractor. Um we're, you know, we're accepting it all. Also, don't forget, with our new service, our new server, and our new uh, broadcast provider, um, we're going a different route as far as music is concerned. If you are an independent artist, you own all the rights to your music, including distribution, we will play it for you on DV Radio. You do not have to pay us. Just contact info at dvradio.net. Give Bo the permission to use your sound, your music, and we'll include it on the broadcast free of charge that's pretty cool place to get your music heard worldwide can't complain about that thank you folks for listening to the service dog show i'm your host pts dog also known as joaquin watai and i'm your host gab <clears throat> and uh we'll catch you uh, in two weeks see y'all later thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> radio